Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Pod, your weekly dose of gaming news. It is Thursday, June 17, 2021. I'm Steve, joined as always by my developer co-host, Blue. How you doing, mate? I feel like I've been under a rock, just kind of ignoring most of E3. Yeah, E3 this year has been, like, E3 is always weird and it's in this slow decline, but this year, I feel like I never knew when the conferences were happening, who was having conferences. There are all these other conferences around the fringe. So much stuff happened, but so much stuff didn't happen at the same time. It's super odd. Yeah. I. So at the top, two things I want to say. Number one, if you haven't heard of this site, e3recap.com, really good place to go. If you're if you're interested oh, cool. in just I, I hadn't heard of it. Oh, you haven't heard of it? That that was where I <laughs> no, did No, so thank you. <laughs> that was where I did the homework for this. Uh that's why Yeah. And then when you look at that, you'll they do this thing where they color code a lot of the like thumbnails with the uh, conferences they're mm-hmm. from. And you you asked me like mm-hmm. where some of the things that I looked at were from, and I'm just like, I have no fucking idea. I have no yeah. idea because there's so many of them. Um Yeah, like I mean Day of the Devs is always a good thing. I haven't actually watched that yet. But then there's like Wholesome Games Fest or whatever yeah, the hell that, and that thing looked was amazing. Called. And then Future, yeah. yeah, Future Game Show. And then there's a PC Game Show. And it's just like, oh, there's so much stuff going on. Two, um, um, two things that I like particularly caught my eye. I was like, where is this from? And it's from like Freedom Games. They, they're a publisher and they had their own small show. Never heard of them yeah, before. Right. Um, second thing I want to say, there's always this weird um how do you absorb all of um all of the news coming out when it comes to, like trailers and stuff around e3 you don't have to watch everything here's me telling you this i don't know who needs to hear this. you don't need to watch everything <laughs> like watch the things yeah, that like catch your eye true. um that that old adage like don't judge a book by its cover well you know sometimes books and games and media make a good effort at selling themselves based on the cover um, yeah, that is very true. So you might like you might miss something that you would have otherwise thought. Oh, that looks interesting. But like, if you don't have time, just like totally judge a a trailer by the thumbnail and then a game by a trailer. Like like do those things in that order, and that's fine. So especially when there are so many games coming out, yeah, it's uh you, you, you don't have, have to make that choice, right? You don't have the attention for all of them, and you know yourself and yeah. your taste best. So I don't know yeah. who needed to like, hear that. I, I talk about it. Yeah, I talk about it a lot. How I have to make. I have no time. How am I going to choose which game to review? Yeah. Like, that's also for players. Like, if you know that you don't have 100 hours to play Persona, don't. Don't do it. Because <laughs> you're just going to be it. disappointed, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, much to that point, we are not going to cover everything out of E3. We're actually just going to do a quick rundown of Nintendo and Xbox because they were the two sort of uh, bigger company conferences of the show. And then we're just going to talk about some of the games that, that we liked. Uh, because Everyone has done the E3 ECAP, or you could go to E3ECAP.com, was it? E3Recap.com, yeah. Yeah, um, you could go there and, and check it out yourselves if you do want to dive deep. Um, we are going to start with a few news stories that sort of came out just after E3, quote-unquote E3. Yeah, around-ish. Um, y- yeah, so uh, Xbox exclusive, the medium, is coming to PS5 in September. We reported on this last week, I think it was, that there was a ratings uh, board mm. application mm. uh blooper team has announced that it is coming to the ps5 
Um, Lupitan, that's it. It's just coming to PS5. Uh, it'll be coming as a physical version as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it launched as an Xbox and PC exclusive via Game Pass. Uh, might have been on Steam or PC as well. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, this will be the first time that it's uh, coming to PlayStation. And they will be offering full DualSense controller support, uh, which could be pretty cool on that game. Um, not much else to say around that. Um, this interesting thing, uh, I think this dropped after E3. Uh, but Xbox, or oh, Microsoft has uh, said that they're going to be using their cloud streaming service to bring the 2022 exclusives to Xbox One, which is super, super cool. Um, so basically, uh, the the big tentpole games that are made for this Series X and S, uh, things like Starfield, things like Redfall, uh, things like Forza Horizon 5 that maybe aren't going to look as good or struggle to run on the Xbox One, you're actually just going to be able to stream that using the cloud service, which obviously that is reliant on people having internet. I know quite a few people in Australia listen to us who don't have good internet. Blue actually has had terrible internet recently. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, let's have some perspective here. If you, for the people that do have good internet, they don't have to upgrade their console right away and can still play the latest games in decent fidelity. Mm. Um, this Obviously, is, you know, we're, we're always, oh, sorry, go ahead, Blue. This is one of those, um, one has to come before the other thing eventually. Like you, you can't, mm-hmm. it, there will never be a world where good internet ev- arrives globally and, and this rolls out at the same time. Um, and normally, the way this works is services push internet quality. Um, there's mm-hmm. a reason why Netflix-capable uh, internet is so common around the world now. And it's not coincidence. It's a benchmark. Yeah. Netflix made a benchmark. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, we're always very focused on, oh, well, it's not fair for everyone. And, like, I do understand that argument. I, I do. But we get fixated on the the negatives of this stuff. Like, this is actually a huge positive for the people who can take advantage of it. Mm. And for what it's worth, I've actually been using the xCloud service quite a lot on my phone here in Japan uh, on 4G. And it works surprisingly well. So, at least those who have, because Australia does have some unlimited data cap plans for mobiles you potentially could uh, use that to make this happen. Um, But that's super cool. It means that people who necessarily don't want to upgrade just yet want to wait for maybe a version two of those consoles to come out because surely they always do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You can keep your Xbox One running a little bit longer and playing those new games. I think this is super dope. I think Microsoft Um, sniped it out of Sony's hands again because Sony has been pushing for this since before the PS5 and they never got infrastructure mm -hmm. to where they wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft has the money, but they also have Azure, and they have all the, yeah. the cloud They have more expertise them. for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I vaguely remember, isn't PlayStation using Azure services to run their backend now? Oh, I don't remember sure what server they use. But I yeah, like PlayStation has an equivalent service, which just isn't as good. Um, like, yeah, don't, I don't get me wrong. Think PlayStation now, yeah, it's PlayStation now, right? Uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's even available in Australia yet. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, so like, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's been out where, in America for a long time. Where it works, I've heard it works fine. I just haven't heard, like, it's amazing, it's game changer kind of thing yet, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all a work in progress. Um, it is. But we'll is. get there, I'm sure. Hmm. Um, this is a, a really cool one. Uh, Loop Hero has just uh, dropped its first big update. 
Um, Lupiro was this game that I felt like there was a lot of talk around it for two weeks after it came out, and I don't hear people talking about it. Uh, it came out in March. It has 800,000 players, over 800,000 players, um, which is fantastic because I absolutely loved this game. You can check out, I did a preview of it a couple of months before it launched. Um, the update is uh, dropping in the ability to save and exit your game in the middle of a run mm. um, because previously you could not do that. It also tweaks some of the balancing of when you escape a run, how, ma- how many resources you can take back with you and those sorts of things. And it allows you to speed up the game even uh, quicker. So before, while you're doing the loop, I think you could go up to two times speed. Uh, it allows you to go up to four times speed and two and a half times the battle speed. Obviously, if you haven't played Loop Hero, you're not going to understand this, but just trust me when I say this is a very, very good thing. Um, and also the inventory management, you can now lock items by right-clicking it. So a lot of the times you're just cycling items and selling them all the time and you'll accidentally sell the thing that you want to keep. Now you can lock things in place. Mm. Um, so that, those dropped and it is worth mentioning that uh, the amazing channel Noclip they do video game documentaries. Um, absolutely love uh, their content. They did a documentary with the team. I believe they're from Poland. Uh, so it's all in Polish with subtitles. Um, but they did a documentary about how the game came to be. It originally started out as a game jam project. And now it's like a smash success. So that's super awesome. Um, so yeah, that update is out right now, I believe. Um, Back for Blood. Uh I'm super excited about this because Left 4 Dead is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and it's the same team, for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I did a preview of this also on the YouTube channel if you want to go check it out. Uh, but Turtle Rock has announced that anyone who owns paid DLC uh, in a party, everyone else also playing gets access to that. Uh, so basically, if one person... So it's a four-player co-op game. If one person owns a piece of DLC... The others don't. They all get to experience that DLC. Yep. Uh, that's super, super awesome. Lowers that barrier to entry, especially for a game that relies on having your friends being able to play. Um, not much else to say about that. Uh, the game is launching the 12th of October this year. Uh, it did get a delay. I think it was supposed to be out recently, but it got delayed a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super keen for this, but I want to see more games uh, take that model. Like we do see it pop up from time to time. Yep. Um, I think it's just awesome to, it also, I think drive sales because people get to test out the DLC, test out a cosmetic or whatever. And then like, oh yeah, I want that. And they go buy it. Yeah. That's my feeling on it. Uh, like, um, and, and this can vary in like scope as well. Right. Like this one's obviously great because you uh get all new like campaigns and modes and missions and stuff as long as one person has it. Um, but even mm-hmm. things like Killing Floor 2's model is, um, because they don't really have like DLC maps, but what they do is they have DLC weapons. As long as anyone in the lobby has a DLC weapon unlocked, mm-hmm. everyone in the lobby can use it. You don't even have to be friends or, that, yeah, you know, as long as... Anyone. Yeah, that's super cool. So th- there's like scale to how you can roll this out, which is cool. That's cool. Um, this is a quick update. I didn't see if this was dropped during a. Three. Yeah, it came out around E3, around the th- like it was yeah. in the time frame, but I'm not sure if it was in a conference. Yeah, Sam Barlow, who is the uh, director behind Her Story and uh, Telling Lies, which are these FMV really smart, clever games. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of them. Uh, they have announced a new game called Immortality. Uh, it is 
coming. Oh yeah, apparently it was part of the future. Game I was showcase. gonna say no, no. If that's what you're talking about, then yes, it's part of future game show. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, this it just looks really cool. Looks like another awesome Sambalo uh, mm-hmm. game. Uh, the trailer has features here that Alan Scott, who is a writer on The Queen's Gambit and Don't Look Now, and Amelia Gray, who worked on Mr. Robot and Maniac, which Maniac is just one of the most fucked up movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, quick sidebar on this. So this is a remake of an old, I, th- I want to say 70s French body horror movie. Oh. Uh, where oh. El- Elijah Wood. Uh-huh. Elijah Wood plays the the main uh the uh protagonist, maybe antagonist. I don't know. Main character. How you want to shape this? Yeah, but he's a a, a serial killer, basically, who works in a mannequin shop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the scenes are filmed from first person. And it's graphic in a way that, like, I normally handle, like, all that sort of stuff really easily. And, like, I felt queasy watching it. Yep. Um, and not in a, oh, my God, like, hostile kind of look at this glorification of things. I actually do think it has some interesting aspects of exploring just how insane this person is as a, as a person. Mm. Um, Really weird. I don't know if I would recommend it, but hearing that someone who worked on that is involved in this project and Mr. Robot, which we all know also deals with, uh, you know, mental health and realities that aren't quite real sort of thing. I think, yeah, super excited to uh, see more about this game. It's going to be coming to PC in 2022. Um, Very cool. Now, this is the one I think you were talking about. Uh, Orcs Must Die 3. Yeah. Uh, which was a Stadia Times exclusive, is actually coming to other platforms next month. It's going to be launching for PC, PlayStation, and Xbox on the 23rd of July. Mm. Uh, so it had a year exclusivity on Stadia, but, you know, no one's playing Stadia. Mm-hmm. Um, I Actually, they're just bringing Stadia to Chromecast, and I, I'm kind of curious to check it out. But just to see what it is. Yeah, like, kind of yeah. want to see what the train wreck looks like, but don't want to cause more attention on it. Like, yeah exactly like i i just want to i want to be able to say i want to have authority into my feelings on it you know what i mean mm. um anyway i know that you're a big orcs must die fan so i bet you're excited about this blue sort of robot entertainment the people who make orcs must die i i have such a weird relationship with them because i f- i always feel like they overvalue their games by like one bar by like one step you know mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing necessarily but like a lot of times let me put it this way um after orsmus die 2 i was willing to go very far with them i was willing to forgive a lot of mm-hmm. mistakes but unchained undid all of that goodwill um so after orsmus die 1 and 2 robot entertainment created a game called orsmus die unchained which was a free-to-play Orcs Must Die online co-op thing. Mm-hmm. I... Not, not a fan? Some games F2P well. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that one didn't. And let me put it another way. It's not like the game that they had didn't work. It's that Unchained is so not what Orcs Must Die was. And... Yeah, gotcha. When this came out, um, me and my friend Snark, we we I played the like I played Orcs that I wanted to co-op with him, right? Um, we mm-hmm. he I told him and he kind of did some research and he's and he said something like, "Yeah, all the Unchained players are not happy with how Orcs Must Die Three has gone." 
And I am like not surprised. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, eat it. I don't care if you're not happy with that. I wasn't <laughs> happy with Unchained. You know what I mean? Like these, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah like they went from Ultimate Side 2 to Unchained and now they're back to 3. So there's hope for that in that regard. But like, yeah, you burned a lot of goodwill there with Unchained because I like wanted to like it. And I don't know. I don't know where it's kind of at. It's also one of those things where at the time the humor was, uh, I would say it's not, it, it's like, PG Bulletstorm humor. Yeah. In Orphan Style. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if that's like as good now. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not a novelty because games never used to do that. Right? Yeah. I will say that um, every now and then I still think about going back to Orphan Style and it's probably still really good. Like Orphan Style 1 and 2. They're probably just still really, really competent mm-hmm. games. But. Um, Orphan's Eye 3 is, like, expensive. I didn't look up the price where I am, but, like, it's, like, 45 Aussie in uh, Australian Steam. Yeah, right, right. You, you see yeah, what I mean about, like, the Aussie. price point thing, right? Like, they're, they're always, like, yeah. one step a bit too far for you to just dabble. You have to commit. Like, it's a commitment price point. Um, so, oh, this is actually not related to this, but this is something that I've seen firsthand. Like, so, I haven't lived in Australia for two years now, which mm. is weird to say, because mm-hmm. it... Feels longer than that, but it also feels shorter than that. But yeah. anyway, um, PS5 games are 124 bucks. Yeah, yeah it, it's absurd. It's like ridiculous. The the he and they're like they're 80 bucks here. Mm-hmm. Like the price disparity is like is wild mm. actually. Because mm. like you know I'm used to like games being like 20 bucks more in Australia compared to the US or whatever. Yeah. Um, and people learn to live with like, that. But yeah, The Last of Us Two. Mm. Is not very popular in Japan, I don't think. So it's only like five thousand yen, which is about fifty-five, sixty bucks, and it's yeah, still like hundred bucks in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it but is having said that, PlayStation Plus—they've only given away one hundred and eighty games, as opposed to the seven hundred given in Australia. So, mm. um, interesting, interesting stuff. But anyway, very much so. That's yeah, pricing odd. Um. That was totally not related to that. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to move on. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to skim over um, the Nintendo Direct here and we're going to stop and talk about a few things that maybe interest us along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of uh, hubbub around, hey, we're going to get an announcement of the Switch Pro before. That didn't happen. And it did not happen during the Direct. Uh, so... Yeah, what well, Nintendo I said... Still- no, like outright directly, there will be no hardware announcements around the E3 period. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I definitely believe that this is true. There is a Switch Pro in development. Uh, like I'm not thinking that those rumors and claims were illegitimate. I just think they definitely got the uh, timing off. Yeah, but you never know. Maybe Nintendo, being a Japanese company, the rumors were all swirling, and they decided to just well, we don't want to be a part of that. That could definitely be what happened here. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, 100%. But anyway, no new hardware was announced, but Metroid Dread was announced, mm-hmm. uh, which is confusing because they said Metroid 5 and then Metroid Dread. Um, so, and I think I'd prefer it to be Metroid 5, uh, but it's coming out and it's, you know, a classic side-scrolling Metroid game. Mm. I'm not a huge Metroid fan. Uh, having said that, I've, played like 10 minutes of super metroid so i'm pretty keen to check this out actually um 
it looks pretty cool. Interesting. I don't know if you have anything more to say about that. Yeah, it's an interesting twist on the formula. If you are a Metroid head and haven't heard about this, they're introducing... An, um, the reason it's called Dread is because they're introducing an enemy that is unkillable, at least early on. Um, so you have full-on, you have to avoid these enemy sequences, which is not super common in Metroid. So Mr. X hunting Yeah, it's you like Mr. Of, X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah it looks like it's got a lot of tension and it looks really nice um my i've just never really had a chance to play metroid it's not really a thing that i've avoided on purpose even though i've shared my distaste of the genre here um i have actually got super metroid on my to play list and on my mister after i finish up my uh 96 star run on super mario world that's the next game i'm tackling Mm. but it'd be really cool to go to a like metroidvanias are some of the biggest indie games around it'll be cool to see like the original uh Mm. you know trying to tackle that formula because in many ways like the indie devs have done their work for them to push the genre forward so is metroid going to learn from that that in its step yeah or is it going to be old school and that could be interesting either way right i'm not saying one way is right or wrong i'm just very interested to see what this is have you ever Uh, thought about um like pick a game like for example this where you're not super into the genre normally and then mm-hmm. learn the critical path speed run route i have not thought of that ever. okay okay i'm, I'm just curious oh, if God. that that sounds this is a series this is a series does that sound I... interesting to you because then, <laughs> then you cut out fluff right you get to do just the bare minimum and know that you can do it like like know that it's humanly possible um, i've always wanted to play symphony of the night yeah, that that might be a way to to like try to learn it, right? Like like pick a glitchless category and see what they do, and mm. you know don't have to learn any tricks I about do. it. Like just how do you play the game doing it this way, right? Well, let us know the Discord if you think that's a good series idea. Mm. Maybe Blue could coach me through it. Um, <laughs> sure. The next game uh, that I love, Blue, I love this. I'm so excited by this. Warrior, yeah. we'll get it together. Yeah. Uh, Holy, I'm hell. a huge WarioWare fan. Game with personality. Um, yeah yeah so this looks super good it's a uh solo or two-player warioware game which is a bunch Mm. of micro games for those who don't know Mm. usually they're like five to ten second mini games that you have to do to complete quests or or challenges i actually haven't really played any of the traditional warioware games which that this is one of those the Mm. one that i played was smooth moves which was a bit more of a party game version of this yep um not to say that WarioWare Get It Together is not a party game. It just feels, it from what we've seen anyway, it's less of a competitive thing like the one on the Wii was. But smooth moves, like you have no idea, Blue. I used to have all of my friends would come around. Instead of going to the pub, they would come around to my house and we would just drink and scream and play WarioWare smooth moves for like months on end, every yeah. Friday night. It was like the thing that we did because we were super cool, okay? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, after that experience, I've always just really loved what WarioWare is doing. Oh, it's a great um, idea. And this one looks really great. Um, they also have like different characters in this one uh, that have like their own abilities and different ways to tackle the same micro games. Yeah, which, which is super cool. Yeah, so it means you're going to be able to play these like you play these game these micro games a lot, often over and over again. So to have a new spin based on how the character tackles it seems like a really cool way to add depth to it. Mm. Have you um, ever um, heard of or yeah. played Bishibashi? No. Okay. Bishibashi is an arcade game, which is just a series of mm-hmm. micro games 
and it mm-hmm. has three like giant buttons that are designed for you to just rapid fire mash right um yep and it goes up to three or four players i don't remember so you know nine or 12 buttons on a on an arcade console and like you're all crowded around the one screen and that's it and it's it's just competitive micro games it's just mario party competitive micro games but even simpler because you only have three buttons it's often like rhythm or match the color or you know that kind of stuff or just literally mash um yeah so right. like that's what i'm hoping for out of like not not that but like that vibe again when we got into the arcades and played it it was just no other games like compared to that bishibashi has come to consoles yeah. in a couple of times but like it, it was primarily arcade first so i'm hoping for similar ish kind of experience to that because i haven't played a warrior ever but i like i've seen it and i understand oh, really? i understand the conceit of it you know so yeah uh, i'm actually very excited cool. for this just it has so much personality and it's really really great we should start a patreon goal to pay for your flights here for the warrior where launch that's what we should do <laughs> go fund me um, <laughs> yes let's do it um advance wars uh one and two reboot mm. camp is a remastered uh combination of the first two games in the advance wars series it's coming the third of december I've never played them. I'm not a big fan of the art style, but I know a lot of people like those games. I'm sure. Advance Wars is one of those like pivotal, um, like milestone games in the um, SRP. Yeah, for sure. Genre. Right? So yeah, it's it's the it's the mainstream of that. Yeah, tactics SRP. Yeah, we we've gotten a lot, a lot of like people that. Yeah, these games are landmark games in this genre that you know people may not have been so aware of in the past like a year or so. It's super cool to see that trend continuing. Mm. Um, not my game, but yeah, happy that it's here. I would argue, and Rowan will probably chastise me for this, but I would argue if Advance Wars doesn't happen, Fire Emblem doesn't hit its peak. Even though they're very different games, I feel like Advance Wars opened the door to people experimenting more in that genre because so many people that never played tactics games before uh, probably would continue to not play them because Advance Wars made it accessible for many. Maybe. Uh, and then, maybe and then and then of course um fire emblem awakening also had to be an excellent game on top of that yeah but here's that's, that's my theory that that's that's an interesting take and i don't know how like out there on uh, like, how far out on the branch you're going with this how about thinking about advanced wars and then on the other end of the spectrum like into the breach uh yeah well i think into the breach does not happen without advance wars right like, <laughs> like I, I, think, I think that's much i think that's a like clearer um at least like thematic through line to be like yeah see this is know. an interesting argument that you can make right like xcom exists and these japanese srpgs exist and yeah. they exist in a bubble and they're very like i don't think there's a lot of crossover like there would be some crossover but People who are playing XCOM, I don't think are playing Japanese they're, they're SRPGs. They're not. I can't right? stand XCOM because I started with the Japanese SRPGs. XCOM feels so un, um, clumsy in comparison. Well, are you talking about XCOM Reboot or original XCOM? Both. I don't like either of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like they're in their bubbles, right? Yes. Games like Ad- Advance Wars that opened, that bridges that gap, that makes it accessible, that yeah. gets more people playing totally. it. 100%. Uh, leads XCOM into doing its reboot, which is more accessible and more open. Uh, like, if the Advance Wars broadening scope of the yeah. genre doesn't happen, 
then XCOM continues down the path of being a very esoteric, hardcore strategy game. It mm. does not broaden. If it doesn't broaden, then Into the Breach is not inspired by a broad nature game of chess. Into the Breach does not happen. Yeah. That is the argument that I make in the darkest timeline. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are so off the rails today. Uh, Mario Party Superstars is coming out on October 29. This is going to be featuring a bunch of classic boards and mini games from the entire Mario Party series, all with online play. This is super weird considering they just dropped an update for the recently released Mario Party game that well, they didn't release any DLC for. What probably happened is that they were writing this game on that old engine and realized this is an easy enough win and someone on the team just went, we should do this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it. they could have offered more support to the other Mario Party game or release this as DLC rather than a whole new SKU. But anyway, it's coming out. Some people will be excited about that and hopefully the online play works. Uh, kind of good that COVID happened for this particular thing in that it is forced Nintendo to think about online. Uh, obviously, I don't wish that COVID happened, but it's good to see Nintendo not do what Nintendo normally do and just be like, oh, well, people will work it out. Um, it's there nice is, to see yeah, them be like, I feel hey. like there is a world where Superstars was a offline only game. <laughs> yeah, COVID. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, Shin Megami Tensei got a new trailer and it's coming on the 12th of November. SMT. People are very excited about that. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, Life is Strange is coming to Switch. Uh, the entire so thing. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. All three Life is Strange games. So True Colors, uh, the middle one, and uh, Before the Storm, and, and the uh, first Life is Strange Remastered. Yeah. Yep. They're all coming uh, this year, uh, 10th of September. Um, no, 10th of September is the new one, and then the others are coming before the end of the year. Yep. Uh, I'm tempted to take it. Dungan Ropa. Uh, yeah. I hate that. Just because just I've never seen um, it. Like, I've never, I've never experienced any of it, so. Oh, so, you, okay. You missed my stream series. That's cool. I get it, man. Yeah, uh, I, I don't watch Dungan... your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dungan Ropa is coming. So there's the new Dungan Ropa S Ultimate Summer Camp is launching later this year. And then Tri Trigger Happy Havoc Anniversary Edition, uh, Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition, and Killing Harmony Anniversary Edition. Um, those games are about 6,000 years long, so that'll keep you busy until the Switch Pro. Um, they're all coming out later this year. Um, there is also Project Zero Maiden of Black Water. Doesn't have a release date, but it's coming this year. That was a Wii U game. Uh, it's a Fatal Frame game, correct? Mm, Am I right? I think so. That? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, I've actually always wanted to play that series, so I might check that out. Doom Eternal DLC is coming to the Switch version as well. If you're playing Doom on the Switch, you uh, should not do that because... That game feels horrible on a controller, in my opinion. Um, Cruisin' Blast, which is a sequel, spin-off, pseudo thing to Cruisin' USA, I think, um, is coming to the Switch this autumn. Um, and then Astria Ascending is coming on the 30th of September. We saw some more of Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is a sequel to that uh, Mario Rabbids turn-based strategy game. Um, also, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania, which is a collection of all the super monkey ball games is coming on the 5th of october i've never played super monkey ball blue should i i don't know if you should but what if you're trying to decide maybe one thing you can do is and this is a thing to everyone out there as well go look up the um tool assisted speed runs of super monkey ball 
they're wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very okay. crazy. Yeah. Um, it's just a series that flew flew by me. Um, once again, like living in a country town, a lot of the games that I played uh, before I was an adult um, were rentals, and these games just were never <laughs> where I was. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah, I always saw it in magazines and stuff back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if it's your game, but um, I know that I have super super enjoyed watching both speedruns and tool assisted speedruns of this game, and the Tazes are really fun. Yeah, cool. Get cool. commentary versions. Um, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you talk about the next one because it's Smash related. Tell me, because this is also on your list of things you're excited about. Uh this is very much a hey, this is super cool, and oh my god, so many people are butthurt about this character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not Master Chief. That was the big one I was hearing. Before, yeah, that was before the one. Okay, I got. There's a lot of like confusion about like what qualifies something for smash i don't again i don't know who needs to hear this it's not about a character's popularity like sakurai has come out and said smash is about celebrating gaming i don't care how popular goku gets goku is an anime slash manga character first you know like yes Mm -hmm. he's been in video games i don't think he'll be in smash at this point, like I, I feel like Nintendo and, and Sora Limited's stance on that is reasonably clear. Um, mm. Having said that, uh, the character that has been added to Smash in this latest um, iteration is uh, Kazuya Mishima from Tekken. And basically, we're seeing a repeat of like what happened with Terry Bogard from King of Fighters. It's like people, uh-huh. we, we talked about landmark games before, uh, and fighting games are a niche series, right? You know, fighting mm-hmm. games have a couple of landmark games. Uh, Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown, like released like uh, a month or so ago now. That Virtual Fighter was a landmark game, and you know, in similar to like you go, went from Wolfenstein to Doom, that's the right order, yeah. Um, like you know, you have like Virtual Fighter to Tekken, and like the three D fighters of fighting games are like a completely different beast to the two D. So like we don't even have to talk about what influence virtual fighter had from street fighter because i don't think it's that much like i'm sure they learned some stuff from there but like virtual fighter was a different beast completely so to see landmark game tekken um for a lot of people's first fighting game would have been like tekken 3 on the playstation 1 like uh of our age you know um Mm. to see that being like given its time here and like again every time smash does a like crossover character there's so much respect to the source material in the trailer for this, it's just Kazuya walking Ganondorf's um, like unconscious body to the edge of a cliff of a volcano, and then just tossing him in, and that is hilarious. Um, the start of Tekken One is Kazuya's father Heihachi, like tossing mm-hmm. teenage Kazuya's body into a volcano. <laughs> Like that's how the the the, the entire series starts, and from yeah. there it's just been a revisit on that. Tekken three is Kazuya um comes back from the dead, and wait, what is? I don't remember now. Yeah, they fight on a volcano again, and someone gets tossed in again. Um, Tekken <laughs> seven ends with like Tekken seven is this huge climactic cinematic experience. Uh, it's really great uh, cinematic story. For, for a fighting game that ends with Kazuya tossing Heihachi into 
into the volcano. And Heihachi is now, as far as like canon is confirmed, quote unquote dead, but he's like comic book dead, you know? Um, yeah, 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 totally. So if you watch the trailer and like, why is Kazuya just tossing very, like it starts with Ganondorf and then like Captain Falcon, it like tosses so many characters over the cliff into a volcano. If you're wondering why, it's because of that. It's It's a meme as far as the franchise goes now. The mm-hmm. Mishima family just fights on volcanoes and throws each other off the mountain into a volcano and and assume that the other people die despite the fact that they crawl out of it somehow and then it's awesome it's great it, and <laughs> it's it's really really stupid but um yeah not, nothing like huge to say about that other than great landmark game i i super look forward to um when Sakurai is going to do the like sit down and like walk us through the character because they're super enjoyable and you can tell that there's a lot of respect for the franchise that the game is from. Yeah, for I'm sure. Shrugging in real life. Ah, yeah. I because it's such a cool thing. I just I don't I don't enjoy it. I I've tried. I've bought every single one of them. Yeah. And the only one that I've played a lot of that I enjoyed was uh sixty four, and yep. I think that's just because. It was a completely new thing, and it had all my favorite Nintendo characters in it. But that doesn't work for me anymore. Um, um, yeah. Have you considered enjoying games from an art perspective? Of I really appreciate that they exist, and I want to consume things, but I don't want to ever play it. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super cool and happy that this game exists. I just yeah. don't enjoy playing. No, but like, like that's totally fine. Just watching, like, being happy for the community and and being around for it you know that kind of thing cuz that's what I do with a lot of games now um i mean yeah i mean i'm i'm not going to the difference between me and you and this is going to sound weird as someone who makes content but mm-hmm. i don't watch streams like yeah. i don't enjoy watching streams because for me it's about playing the game that's what i love about games i love about playing them and dissecting them mm. and yes i can do that while watching videos but i don't typically enjoy that yeah. i enjoy watching criticism of of games and and uh you know um takes and yep. nuanced looks at games but just sitting there watching a streamer play a game that doesn't interest me at all um which as i said i know that's weird as i do that sometimes mm. um and that's been a big push of why i've gone more down the youtube route because i want to make stuff that i would watch i don't think that's um, that weird like so, if you think about it logically you only have so much time in the day if you're someone who enjoys watching people play something you won't have enough time to make something yourself i think that's a very common thing among creators that they don't actually watch a lot of stuff uh, yeah and that's the thing though um the interesting thing with streaming is the streamers that i do watch uh that aren't people i know in real life i watch to talk to the person i'm never there for the game yeah and yeah, I yeah. Think that is Precisely. the majority of people yeah. Um, will I watch a, a Smash tournament stream? Yes, because that's like, you know, the play at the highest level that you're only going to yeah, see yeah. on those streams, right? Um, yeah, precisely. That stuff is interesting to me. Hmm. Um, it, it's why I watch speedruns yeah. because you're seeing a game at the highest level. It's why I watch tournaments. It's what you're seeing the game at the highest level. Um, I, I think the counterpoint to criticism isn't actually like casual streams or let's plays. I think the counterpoint to criticisms is like, here's what's amazing about this game. I don't think a lot of people do that. And a lot of that gets sprinkled into Let's Plays, but that's the kind of stuff I like yeah. to see. I like to see someone yeah, just true. go, here's a celebration of what's amazing. And that's part of why I like Smash, because Smash is a celebration about what's amazing in all of games, right? Like, that roster is mm. insane. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, interesting thought too about um, positive criticism of games. Anyway, um, we we are on a short uh, recording schedule, so we're going to power through. Uh, so then they finish off the uh, conference with Zelda. Uh, they introduce Skyward Sword HD, showing that you can play it with motion controls or without, which we already knew. 16th of July, that game comes out. Mm. Uh, then they reveal that Hyrule Warriors is getting... Uh, well, first, uh, Enuma, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, mm-hmm. He says this is the last thing we're going to announce, and it's a Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity expansion pass content. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, God, I feel the collective anger of Twitter without even being online at this point. Yeah. Um, and then then he's like, oh, and here's this game and watch Legend of Zelda handheld coming yeah. out. Yeah, he does the, uh, the extra fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they show a new trailer, a very short trailer to uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, um, which actually I don't think it has the title of the game. It literally Correct. says sequel to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the because, Wild. Because, and so, it, was sa- it was stated that mm. the they have a title, but that would spoil things right now. Yeah. Um, what we did see from this trailer is it's actually going to take part, uh, kind of like Skyward Sword. It's a sky. lot of it's going to be happening in the sky. Yeah. Um, above Hyrule, which seems interesting. Um, Link is in what looks to be more like traditional Greek garb. Um, yeah. In some of the clothing that he's wearing, which is a cool take, I think, maybe. Maybe. Um, we'll see. Like, like Breath of the Wild, they also sh- just read it themselves mm. aesthetically, right? Link is in blue. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, he uh, has some sort of power where he's like shifting through rock. Through rock, yeah. Um, which was kind of interesting. Um, definitely piqued interest. I think it looks super cool. Of course, I'm going to play it. Um, they said it's going to be coming 2022. Yeah. I uh, saw that was my in- my yeah. corner of uh, Twitter is the um, just make Zelda playable already. God damn it, Nintendo corner. And you know that like image of him free falling? <laughs> With the because yeah. he's wearing the like weird g- Greek tunic thing, right? Like uh, I saw mm-hmm. a, like fan art of them, like it turned around, like surprise, it's me Zelda. She's flipping the bird because the the way the guard goes, like she's <laughs> because it's only on half of the body, so she'd have to be flashing someone to do it, and so she's flipping the yeah, bird and right. censoring herself at the same time. And I'm just like, yes, oh, do it. Just just make Zelda <laughs> playable. God damn it, it's about time. This is the perfect Nothing. Zelda for that to be. It'll never happen. I'll take a Captain it's Toad like, segment where you have Zelda. Yeah, segment, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Like that's the only way it's gonna happen is a spin-off, right? Or or potentially a segment. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, the castle's burning down and you're Zelda trying to escape. But hmm. um, that's what Hyrule Warriors is for. Um, Maybe. So the Xbox showcase was Xbox and Bethesda this year, which is interesting mm-hmm. uh, because you know uh, one owns the other. Microsoft <laughs> acquired Bethesda. We're- um, it kicked off immediately uh, with Starfield. Now, I don't think that was the original plan, but the trailer leaked just a few hours before the conference began. It was posted on the Washington Post. Mm. Um, so I guess they decided, well, I guess we're putting that first now. Yeah, just lean into um, it. So, yeah, there was a Starfield teaser trailer and it was confirmed that it will be an Xbox exclusive Uh hate to say i told you so but told you so like it's of course it's an xbox exclusive um they also showed off a stalker to oh sorry yeah it's also regardless of what its release date ends up being it's also probably going to launch a year early anyway 
Like that's just how it goes with um, a lot of the Bethesda things. I don't think it's no offense to them. All right, to be completely honest, mm. like no offense to them. I just mm. don't think it's gonna be game ready when it's game ready. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Of so course. like, um, look at it that way. If you're a PC gamer that won't be able to play it straight away, <laughs> look at it that way. People are inferring from the trailer there is like a a computer monitor that has a date on it, which is the eleventh of the eleventh, twenty two. They haven't said that, but that's there. Um, I mean, it looks fine, but we also didn't see any real gameplay. Um, yeah, I like sci-fi. I'm definitely more interested in this than another Elder Scrolls. Sure. Um, Stalker Two: Heart of Chernobyl also got a a long in-engine trailer, and it looks real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Stalker series. That's a game that a lot of people listening to this show probably have not played. It was one of those landmark games, like we've been talking about this episode, yep. uh, where it was a, uh, it was an Eastern European. I, I want to say Poland, but I don't think it was. Um, it was some country that had like huge restrictions on trade and tariffs because my old boss had to send people to that country with like gaming towers in their backpacks that weighed tons <laughs> because you could not buy that stuff there and their computers had broken yeah um so this you know 90s early 2000s pc uh basically what fallout 4 was but with more intricate systems um that was broken and janky but has a huge following this one looks real nice very interested to see more of this it's also coming to xbox game pass and uh, I think they said it would be coming first to Xbox Series X and PC. Gotcha. Uh, Interesting. Now, it is worth noting, during this presentation, that was just game after game after game after game. There was hardly any pause. Yeah. Um, they had Back for Blood is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Sure. Um, it'll be launching on October 12, as yeah. we said. Um, Contra brand. They didn't show any gameplay for this, but it was an interesting trailer. This is coming from Avalanche, who make Just Cause. Mm. Um, no idea what this game is, except it had a dirty Jeep and it was in a, a you know garage. So I'm sure it's about driving things over state lines somewhere. It looked like it was like uh, Colombia or some sort of country like that. Um, doesn't have a date, but it's coming to Game Pass on day one. Mm. Uh, there is more Sea of Thieves content coming. A big uh, one. Jack Sparrow from. Yeah, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, will be there. Um, you know, I don't know how many quest lines good. are like fully voiced in Sea of Thieves as of now, yeah. but I think this will like raise that ratio by quite a bit. Yeah, um, I don't know how where we fit in on the Johnny Depp being a cool guy thing anymore. Um, last I heard, he was not a cool guy. Um, so to me, that was a bit weird. I was like, oh, has the internet come around on that now? Um, but anyway, so that's coming. Uh, it'll be a free update on June 22nd. Um, so Yakuza Like a Dragon is coming to Game Pass today. I mean, it's there. Was written. It's there by the time you're, yeah, yeah. It's there now. <laughs> by the yeah. time you're hearing um, this. So, so go play it. It's amazing. We're going to talk about that in the back half of the show a little bit. Uh, Battlefield 2042 got a deeper Proper look during trailer. the... Uh, yeah. Yep. And it looks real nice. Um, Psychonauts 2 got a date, August 25th, and is coming to Game Pass Day 1. Mm. Like, this was just the, the theme of the show, right? It's Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so, Pete Hines from Bethesda came out and said that 10 more Bethesda games are coming, including The Evil Within 2, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, Arx, Fatalis, Rage, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, and 
the original four Fallout games, Fallout Tactics, Fallout 1, 2, and 3, all available right now on Game Pass. Um, so that's like just most of Bethesda's back catalog is on there now, except mm. for Wet. Bring Wet. We want Wet. Um, Fallout 76 is getting a new expansion. It's coming out on August 19, and it will be free as part of the Xbox Game Pass updates. Um, also, there's a new enhanced edition of Elder Scrolls Online was shown, and I believe it's out today as of recording. Um, uh, Hades is coming on the 13th of August to Xbox. It'll also be coming to a bunch PS- of other platforms as well, yeah. PS5 being yeah. one of them. Uh, and um, PS4, I think. Uh, I think you skipped over 12 minutes. Um, oh, yeah, 12 minutes. That's a interesting game that we almost published back at Fellow Traveler like mm. five years ago. It's coming to Game Pass. It looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool. Annapurna publishing that one. Um, yeah. Also, Somerville, which is a game from X Inside developers, I think. Was it that one? Not sure. Uh, I don't know much about it. I'm not that. sure, but it's like an indie game that was shown. It looks kind of cool. Yep. Um, they showed a lot of Halo uh, Infinite multiplayer, and it was announced that single player and multiplayer will be coming at the same time. Uh, which that was previously not going to happen. Mm. Um, the multiplayer will be free for everyone. Everyone can play it for free, including all map updates. Um, and they are, you know, they're doing the Warzone thing. They're basically making these things two separate products. So yep. it looks like if you buy Halo Infinite, you go download the single player campaign, and then you go and download the multiplayer campaign um, separately. Yeah, uh, looks cool. Looks super polished. Looks like it's all of the things you'd expect from halo um diablo 2 is launching on september 23rd uh on xbox and everywhere else though um plague tower requiem uh which is made by the same studio who makes microsoft flight sim which i did not know i did not know that either Um, this is such an interesting one i heard like really interesting things out of um the first one as in like people Mm. were like you know because it starts a certain way right and yeah i heard no one talking about the end which always which in this case signified to me that something interesting happened. So I'm kind of interested to see where this one ends up. And I've... I got about halfway through it, and it's a really cool game. Yeah. Um, I fell off it. I think I moved uh, when yeah. I was halfway through and never just went back to it. Mm. Um, probably not the game, best though. game to play while a plague is happening, but, yeah. you know, um, that will be coming to Game Pass. Far Cry 6 was shown off. Um, cool. October 7th is the release date for that. Yeah. Slime Rancher 2 is launching next year. So adorable. Um, yeah, Shredders is a uh, snowboarding game that looks to be going back to some of that old school sort of style of snowboarding games like SSX. Uh, and Atomic Heart. I have no idea what the hell that game is, but it looks super sick. Um, really eye-catching. Among game. Us. Yeah. yeah. Like, as you can tell, like, I'm just naming games now. Like, there is so more. There is so many more games here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to touch on The Outer Worlds 2 was announced mm-hmm. and will be coming to Game Pass on launch. Doesn't surprise me. That first game's really good. Um, had a few bit of problems with just the length and the quality of the content at the end. But, you know, everyone loved that game. The DLC did really well. It makes sense that Obsidian would go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft Flight Sim is coming to consoles. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 is coming November 9. Uh, like, compared to Nintendo, do you just hear all the games are rattling off here, everyone? Um, so, 
Forza Horizon 5 is coming November 9. It'll be coming to Game Pass. It's taking place in Mexico and it actually looks really cool. I want to check this out for sure. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the moral of the story is there's a lot of games coming 2021. Like a lot of games. Um, like you, so many games. Do you want to talk about Redfall here? Um, because Redfall is one of my things as well. Yes, that's where that's what I was going to finish up because this mm. is one of mine that I'm excited for too. Absolutely. So Arcane uh, announced a new game, Arcane Austin, which are the main team of Arcane, I believe. Yeah. Uh, revealed a game called Redfall, which this is the theme of 2021, uh, is that everything's Left for Dead. <laughs> yeah, player it, it feels that way. Shooters. Yeah. As someone who loves Left for Dead, I'm like, hell yes. I love this genre and I wish it was more. I do wonder if COVID has like, Oh, people want to play games together a lot now. No, um, th- this there's these games that we're talking about. There are like four player co op games. They've been in the works for like four or five years now. Yeah, true, true. Um, but Redfall looks super interesting. Uh, you, there's a group of four characters uh, with supernatural abilities, and you're fighting vampires. What it looks mm. like. um, in the town of Redfall, got a real which is why it's called that. Yeah, it's got a real cinematic quality to it like we didn't see gameplay it was yeah. a cinematic but it just feels almost like just the way it's presented it feels like an, a tarantino film where it's trying to feel real 70s 80s but it's taking place in modern time yep um the characters have a bit of snark but not an annoying amount of snark yeah. like it didn't feel yeah. like a horrible like oh <laughs> yeah. no you did it, it, it yeah felt really there, there's room for that to happen mind you but it's trailers yeah. so competently put together um there's a there's a like mental list somewhere in my head of like these are just really good trailers that are like good for all time trailers i don't know if this is there yet but like i'm considering putting it on that list you know it's a good trailer at the very least if you haven't just check out the trailer it's fun i kind of want to see like i i see this and i'm not necessarily like super into a game for this but i would love to see a show about these people yeah yeah that could be really cool Mm. um but yeah it looks looks awesome and yeah dealing with something that's not zombies looks fun one thing that the trailer does, and like I'm not gonna say that it is gonna happen in the game, but it looks like the bigger vampires always need like in every instance there are two people taking it down. Like mm. it's always a combination of powers and abilities. And if that is kind of the hook, they're like you actually have to work together and not just shoot things. Um, That'd be cool. That could be really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just for the trailer. As I said, no gameplay, but if that is the theme of it, then I'm all on board for that. For sure. Um Blue, you've got a bunch of picks here that you want to quickly touch base on, so have at it. All right, let's let's. Um, so I don't know where these first few, what, what conference these first few were from, because as I said, there's just so many of them. But um, the first one, this will be in like reverse chronological chronological order because I pulled them from E3 recap. Uh, first one is Lab Rat by a studio called Chump Squad. Um, they d- describe themselves as a st- satirical puzzle game and you get a lot of portal vibes from it, but yeah, definitely. It's just like the writing is solid and um, there's, there's, you know, I halfway through the trailer, I thought, okay, I've seen this. And then it goes an interesting kind of way, which is like not completely unexpected, but they give themselves a lot of room to redefine themselves based on it. I think that, the satirical portal-like puzzle game is the hook, and then they try to expand on that, which is not normally how it goes. Normally, that, that step one is how far you get, right? 
So I'm interested to see where this goes. It also has a really good feeling trailer. Um, very video gamey trailer, but like really good one to like get you into the mood and the tone of the game immediately. Um, mm -hmm. So just quick one for that one. Check it out if you, if that sounds interesting. Um, Mind Beneath Us by Barebone Studio. Um, I'll read the like blurb real quick. Mind Beneath is a text-based narrative game set in a not too distant future Taiwan. After society has become fully automated with AI, a new industry has emerged that replaces the hardware needed to operate the internet with linked human brains. As a result, the most disadvantaged of citizens have had no choice but to put in their bid to sign up one after another. Against the stage of this mad society, a mysterious conspiracy gradually unveils. And that, like, that last sentence, so unassuming, is actually what caught me. Because I didn't read that blurb when I went in. I just was just like, oh, what is this? Looks kind of cozy. It actually has a very cozy vibe. And then, like, midway through the trailer, it does this, like, weird kind of, like, psychological twist to it. Don't yeah, know. Yeah, it looks real cool. Yeah, like, has a real good look it to it, right? Cool. Yeah. Um, so it, it says it's a text-based narrative game, but looking at it, it's not. Doesn't look like, that way. When I think it text. Yeah, text-based narrative is like you know literally text in a window. This is a point-and-click adventure by the looks of it. Maybe it might be. Um, I think what it means by that is that it's story-heavy and reading-heavy. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's what it means. But like yeah. as a genre, like text-based is correct. like correct. Yes. Yeah, this yeah, is good, good to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, I am looking at beautiful visuals, really nicely intricate mm. visuals here. So just to clarify. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what caught my eye. I want to be clear. Yeah, being clear here is how pretty it looked. So it's not, not text-based stuff. Um, Unsighted yeah. uh, by Studio Pixelpunk. All of these people, never heard of them, like super glad to see that this is like, if this is their debut or whatever, or this is their big stage presence. Really, really good showing. Unsighted looks like this um, top-down um, action RPG thing, and it's boasting like an interesting world where your consequences matter. You have a limited amount of time to save the world, and basically, you kind of have to decide like which of NPCs you meet that you want to end up committing time to, which ends up being like, and you know, if you run out of time, you don't save some. Um, they're trying to say that there are different ways through um, um, through areas and stuff like that. It looks interesting. And the the weight of that like story decision picking uh, NPCs to interact with could be cool. And also it has a well-put-together trailer. Um, everything basically that I picked has a well-put-together trailer. Um, mm. Not too much to say about that one. I think it looks cool. Might be something to check out. Might not be. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I'm just going to... I'll spell it out first. A-N-U-C-H-A-R-D. I'm going to sort of pronounce it like Alucard, so Anucard, um, by mm -hmm. Stellar Null. Um, similar genre to Unsighted, top-down adventure-y thing, but this time you have um, a Kingdom Heart Keyblade-like implement, but it's a bell. And it looks like they're just going to um, base a lot of the gameplay around this bell, and there's going to be like it's going to be able to deflect projectiles and things in the world and stuff like that. Um, this is one of two games that were included in the, I've never heard of this publishing like um, company, Freedom Games, who had their own showcase, mm -hmm. and that looks good. Um, Dreamscaper, also by uh, Freedom Games. It's Yeah, this one's been floating around for a while. looks pretty cool. Yeah. I'm 
not sure about this one specifically because what I can see of the gameplay, it looks a bit floaty, not necessarily in a bad sense. Uh, keeping in mind, I like really tight feeling games. Um, but some of the visuals it's going for, it sells the trailer sells the game very well. Something to keep out uh, an eye on. Um, jumping straight along because we have so many to get through. Extra Galactica. I'm really not interested in what the game is showing me, but the music I am super down for. Extra Galactica by Digital Yogurt, Ghost Street Games Limited. Um, really fun soundtrack. Uh, this is all I have to say about that one for now. Uh, B.Arc, so Bark, um, by TikTok Games. So goddamn cute. It is a side-scrolling shmup left to right, um, where you are, so the, the, I think the, the conceit of the game is that, um, this group of explorers were trying to escape this planet slash, like, bad entity on a planet thing, uh, loads all of the pet animals into a rocket ship at the top of the ship, and then they get in the ship, and they're all, like, blasting off together, and they're almost out of orbit, and then they get pulled back by like planet-sized tentacles, like pulling the ship back. And in this like super sad moment, they, um, in order to save the the animals, the 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 humans like detach the segment that the animals are in. And I think the game is the animals like building ships and then going back into the planet to try to save the humans. It looks adorable. I'm yeah, so- <laughs> that's cool. I'm so on board, uh, and I'm I want to play this from the like uh, lovers in a dangerous space time kind of like I want to be on a couch playing this with people because it looks really really adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bright, colorful gra- graphics and stuff like that. Um, have you heard of this next game? We are OFK. No, I just looked at the trailer and it looks amazing. Like I want to finish this pod so I can listen to the sound of the trailer because it looks amazing. So. Uh, this this game is super interesting to me because of uh, number one, who makes it, and number two, um, their route to this point, right? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Teddy Deeth. No. He, he was... he They were someone... Sorry. Uh, I did know this, and I wasn't thinking. They were someone who worked with Square um, at one point, were involved in the Final Fantasies as like a something director. I don't remember. And they had gone to Australia for PAX one year, and it's the only reason I know them, um, because they were there to like talk and stuff. Um, then they left a couple of years ago and then moved and started to like um, start work on this like small, weird thing that they were doing, which eventually became We Are OFK. Um, so that's my like personal through line with this. But what's interesting is in Game Awards of last year, um, they uh released a music video. The um follow unfollow. Sorry, I was like trying to rack my mind thinking of the name of it. They released a music video follow unfollow, like a full on music video of OFK from the game. So we are OFK follows. A, a a like upcoming like wannabe band in their like 20s trying to make it and it's just like this narrative story of these people in this time in their lives as far as i can tell at least um and the marketing thing that they did was they're like trying to inhabit those characters um and yeah the first introduction of ofk to the world was 
a music video from OFK at the Game Awards before even talking about what the game was. I didn't know what the game was until this trailer, um, which mm-hmm. I think is a really cool thing. Like, I think that's a really interesting uh, marketing angle to take for this. Um, yeah. Yeah, so basically that. Um, all right. Letters, a written adventure by, I have no idea what, how to, 5AM Games. Then there's like GMBH on the end of it, and I don't know what that means uh, as the studio. So Letters is this really cute looking um, word puzzle game that has a lot of narrative focus, it looks like, that follows this person, this girl, as she's like growing up. Uh, and it and it goes from I think like maybe mid childhood to like teen years possibly, um, has a well put together trailer for something that you know a word puzzle game that is narrative focused you wouldn't think would be too dynamic but the trailer really goes a long way to show a lot of good art and like conceptualization of what's going on here and by word puzzle game I mean it looks like you're like it looks like diary entries or like even just words in like newspapers and stuff. And you are kind of like running around affecting the world and the perception of the person or like attitudes within people by picking up words and like putting them into new contexts and stuff like that. Uh, Looks kind of interesting. Could be, could be wholesome. Could be not, not sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the very last thing is something that wasn't necessarily an E3 thing, but, um, League released, uh, League of Legends, sorry, Riot Games released um, a short for the upcoming animation that uh, is going to be on Netflix as an exclusive. What is the name of the short? I forget now. Um, The short is called A Score to Settle. So Arcane, the animated series, is coming out later in the year. Um, A Score to Settle is this like two-minute short. If you are interested in animation, and especially like CG-ish animation... And you want to like quick just, oh, this looks so good. Look at this. This is an amazing short. Um, Especially if you know what the character that they focus on in here, uh, Jinx, is like. This is very clearly like prior to her appearance in League of Legends. And it's such a good character study of what is very clear that this will be the person that we see. But this is a transition low point for her. And she is... Like, just body language in this is so good. I don't think a single word is spoken in this two-minute short. And it's so full of emotion and um, conflict already. So, I don't like League. I don't like MOBAs. Um, I love the people who are trying to do something with the characters and IP that they have. Because I was speaking to a friend. Because I only uh, interact with this this game by you know its animations and stuff right but they were saying that it's uh they just haven't done anything with these good ideas and characters that they've had for so many years now so this is an interesting step forward for them um and where i wasn't excited at all by anything i saw for um dota dragon's blood or dragon blood or whatever it's called uh, arcane looks really cool so far and this is the quality of animation that they're bringing to it then um yeah that's something to look out for that's something. yeah it's um it's really cool to see i think league has a diverse interesting roster so it's cool to see them flesh that out a little bit more um 
so we already covered most of the games that I'm interested in. There was one that we didn't talk about, um, which is surprising, but Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like super jazzed to play this game. Um, I don't like Marvel. I didn't like the look of the Avengers. This is from Idos Montreal, mm. and it's a single-player third-person action adventure mm. um, that's based on Guardians of the Galaxy. None of the movie rights are there, yep. but it looks super dope. Like, I'm really interested to see, like, the the, the visuals that they displayed uh, look really interesting. There's a lot of choices uh, that you need to make throughout the game, mm. and apparently that will have effects on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks like it's... It's capturing the spirit of what the Guardians of the Galaxy is about, and I've one of the few Marvel properties I enjoy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see like, is this actually a good game that has yep. some? Because that was the thing that everyone I heard who played the Avengers game was talking about was, hey, the story is really good. It's just the game sucks. Um, yeah. So hopefully the game doesn't suck this time, and they keep delivering on a good story. So I'm pretty. I had no idea this was coming. I had no idea that I wanted this, but apparently I do because it was just like, huh, yeah, all right, I can get behind that. Um, so, I yeah, didn't excited to play that. pick this as a thing because um, mm. one of the things that I do in E3 is I look at the quality of the trailer, right? A lot of trailers lose me in the first 30 seconds. Uh, sometimes I get mm-hmm. to the end of the trailer and just decide that was cool, but not for me. Um, so my note for the Guardians trailer is that. Um, it's a movie trailer. And I yes. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a I didn't think it was interesting to learn from. Um because this is what so... happened with Marvel's Avengers as well. Marvel's Avengers put out a really movie quality trailer that made you interested in the story. Um this one's a bit more interested in making you in, um concerned with the gameplay, which is cool. But yeah, I like I I saw it and I just kind of my brain was in game mode and I was just kind of filtered that out as a I don't care right now. It's a because it's a movie trailer, you know? I there's there's two thoughts there. One, mm. uh I think Guardians of the Galaxy as a series, as you know, a property always pulls from pop culture and makes things yeah. into movies and music. So yep. yeah, that's no. not surprising to me. I, yeah. I actually didn't see the trailer. I saw the gameplay, like the 30-minute gameplay. Oh, uh, gotcha, 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 that gotcha. Shared. So yeah. that's why I'm interested. I, I actually don't think I've seen the trailer, so I might look that up after this. Yeah, do it, do it. Um, it's a really quality movie trailer. It, it's There's a couple out there. Look up the one that was in um, the square one. I think the square one had the better one. No surprise, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> like, if they're like pushing it. Yeah. 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 Um, we have a listener question this week. This one comes in from Crispy Sando. Which game, only one, do you wish you had have made or been involved in? Either because you reckon you would have made it better or just for the glory of being associated with the title? Uh, this is perhaps an over-asked question or has already been discussed before. Absolutely and I've never not. been asked this question. No, never. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have an answer for this. It's Half-Life. I wish um. that I worked on Half-Life. Um, you know, it's, it, it's once again one of those landmark titles. Yep. Uh, for first-person shooters, for narrative in games, I have—I think I've even said on this podcast before—I actually don't. I don't rate Half-Life's narrative that high because mm. I feel like a lot of its narrative. The reason that it's interesting to me is a lot of it is unsaid. A lot of the yep. narrative is inferred. Yep. A lot of the narrative is you are playing as a scientist named Gordon Freeman. Like yeah. he never talks. Um. 
Yeah, but and, and it's interesting because is, it's not even really uh, environmental storytelling. Like, yes, that does exist, but like, it's not even really that, right? It's it's as you said, it, like jazz. It's a lot of what's unsaid about the narrative that's interesting. Yeah, um, G Man's really interesting, but like, is when I think of narrative games, I'm thinking of characters talking to you and <laughs> cutscenes happening and or reading a lot of logs and stuff, and there's none of that in Half-Life, yet there is still such an amazing rich lore around that game without it saying anything. But the reason why I would want to work on it is because at the time, what they did was so completely groundbreaking. Like, from a design standpoint of the characters, Mm. the models, the gameplay, the enemies, the world, from the standpoint of, hey, we're going to put you in a shooter where you're a scientist, and yep. you cause the event to happen. Yep. Like, it isn't an event that happens that you're fixing. You're literally doing a science experiment that caused a rift in the world and aliens to destroy humanity. You did it. You physically pushed the thing that made it happen. Mm. That is a super interesting premise, especially for 1998, where none of that existed. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the narrative side of Half-Life really picks up its pace in Half-Life 2. Mm. But... um. You know, Half-Life, uh, Alex, like, that to me is the first narrative Half-Life game. Like, that I would say is a traditional narrative game. Makes sense. It still has all of that unspoken jazz element of, you know, what is unsaid and you're inferring from existing in this world. But it yeah. also just has, like, really lovable characters that are delivering excellent dialogue to you. And that's, like, Portal is the through line there. I think they saw that with Portal and then they've implemented that into their other games. Yep. But... Also on the flip side there, uh, I, I just said that it's not a narrative game. It's not a traditional narrative game. Um, and I think that it is quite amazing, as, as we, I've just said here, right, that so much of it happens, like, you know what's going on in Half-Life and it doesn't even have to tell you, right? Mm. That's just a different type of narrative game, right? Mm. And I think that's really interesting. And I think if I had have worked on Half-Life, I could work on any game that I wanted after that because yeah. I worked on Half-Life. Yep. I could do whatever I want in the game space. So that's my answer. The yeah. only downside to working in that game is that I never would have got to experience the magic that I experienced playing. Playing it, yeah. Um, because uh, I'm sure a lot of people here know this, but in case you don't, when you work on a video game, or at least for me, once it is out, I never play that game again. I yeah. never want to play it again. I have spent so long Especially... working on it. I have tested it. Mm. I've seen it broken. I have gotten there's nothing i know what's coming around the corner and i know what concessions had to be made to make it happen i don't want to touch it again especially for that's all game developers an experiential game like half-life right because there are like yeah game games and then you can play those that that makes sense like um yeah the the person who i know has spent the most amount of time on party golf in the world is um the ian lewis the person like (laughs) designed it because he loves it yeah um and mm-hmm. i can see why in that case um yeah great answer uh do you have an answer <laughs> yes yes uh if i can twist and cheat a bit if i could take what i know now and take like every experience that i've had in work right now back to a game i wouldn't go that far back i would want to take it to marvel versus capcom infinite um, oh how did i know that this would be your answer that it would be an mcv game MVC? What? I mean, I mean, uh, MVC could have been. Fire it's Fire early Fire. in the morning. I'm sorry. It could have been fire. Oh Fire. Oh God, no, 
No, no, no. no. I, I want to do this, and not because I could make the game better, but because I want to be there to fight against corporate because corporate killed this game. <laughs> because the, yeah, red, okay, the, right. <laughs> the, the red tape between Capcom and Marvel slash Disney just put this game on the executioner's block and killed it. Uh, and I 100%. That's, that's a really. It- I promise you, no single person, even if I could have gone back, would have been able to fix that. Like, there's too much there to fix from absurd statements from Disney, like, don't show any Marvel character getting beaten up in, a, in any promo material. Um, bizarre things like that in a fighting game. Like, you know, but I would have, yeah. For one of the games I consider to be the best designed fighting games ever, I would have loved to be part of that to try to fight to give it its fair time because I didn't get it. That's a great answer. I love it. It is such a you answer. <laughs> thank you. And I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that question, Crispy Sando. You can submit a question to us via our Twitter, Pixels Breakfast, or join our awesome Discord community. And uh, there is a uh, pod questions thread there that you can uh, drop it in. Um, always love having questions on the show. Uh, so we only have 14 minutes of recording time left. Uh, so I'm going to blast through my played games. Uh, last week I played nothing. This week I played nothing but Returnal and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, Returnal is sick. Return. I understand why it's so divisive, but after playing Returnal for about ten hours, Returnal is sick. Awesome. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a PlayStation Five. Uh, for lack of a better term, it's a roguelike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a loop-based game where you go in, you're finding a bunch of enemies that are very powerful. You're collecting gear and uh, you're moving through it. Um, runs are really long, like I heard, upwards of two hours, uh, and there's no save. Um, which that seems to be the biggest problem that I hear about this game, but mm. the gameplay itself is amazing. It's so fast. It's so frenetic. Housemark, who have made some of the best, uh, you know, technical showcases for PlayStation hardware at their best here. Um, the story is pretty interesting. You're landing on this planet. You're an astronaut. Uh, you're landing on the planet because your ship is like, you, it starts off the ship crashes and then you wake up and you don't know how you get there and then you find a body and it's your body. And then every time you die, it loops back around and every time you're looping back around, the cutscene that shows what's happening changes slightly mm-hmm. to a point where I don't know what's the real version of events. And that's really interesting. The writing is decent. It's not amazing, but it's decent and it's good enough for what it's trying to do here and it's intriguing. Uh, but the enemy design is just phenomenal. But when you look at the attack patterns where they're shooting different things or pulsing these lasers, um, you can see so much of next next Machina, I think was the game that they released before this. Like oh, this is great. basically a third yeah. person. Yeah. Third person version of that. It's their DNA was making arcade games and they've just moved that into a third person roguelike that has amazing production values. Um also with the dual sense, it uses the dual sense really smartly. Um, so like you half hold the uh, trigger down to aim, you full hold it down and it does the alt fire. Um, it's just really, it feels really good. Each gun feels very different. Every power feels very different. Um, it's phenomenal. If you want a technical showpiece of what the PlayStation 5 can do, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, a lot of people think that the price tag is a little high for a rogue, quote unquote roguelike. 
I think the production values and what you're getting out of it does warrant it. Um, you know, I don't, I think there is a lot of work that went on to this and it's worth its money. Uh, but it's very hard and it is not going to hold your hand at all. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be for everyone. It's hard and in a very different way than Demon Souls is, for instance. Yeah. So my um, question to you is, would you recommend this mm. to a rogue like primarily player? Because I don't think so. Uh, no, because right? I don't feel yeah. like it's a roguelike. Yeah. If I'm being honest, it's like, more of a shooter. It's a it's a shooter action game because yeah. you are not really making builds. Like I think if yeah. people want to play roguelikes, they want to make builds and they want to get synergies. And yeah. there are synergies, but you can't really plan for them in the way that you can with a roguelike. Mm. It's not as replayable as it is, uh, you know, with a Hades or whatever. But that's also, I'm not expecting that from this game. I wanted something that just had that technical showpiece element to it. And it just happens to play really, really well. Mm. I think this is a, if you can try before you buy, do that. If you can um, watch, uh, Skill Up does a great video. It's like a 40 minute review of this game. Watch that. I think he goes into depth of the reasons why it, being called a roguelike actually hurts it because it sets an yeah. expectation of what it is and isn't. I, I but think what that's I will say is it's yeah, it's fucking good. It's mm. really good. I think the enemy design is fantastic. The world design is really cool. Like it does have problems for sure, but I am like I'm smitten with this game right now. Mm. Um, I'm also playing Yakuza like a dragon. I'm trying to get through it. I hit the the wall. Um, there's a quest where you need to raise three million yen to unlock the next part of the quest. Uh, and you can go grind for that, or you can do a couple of side quests that get you that stuff. So I got the money, got to the quest, uh, you know, next part of it where you travel off to uh, Sultan Buri in Osaka, and then uh, you hit the enemies that are level 50 and you're only like level 30. So um, you can walk the streets and do the grind uh, and do some side quests, or you can go, Sultan Buri has a battle arena where you just fight up a ladder of enemies and level up the whole way. So I'm at level 45 now. I've got to get to level 50. Nice. Um, I really detest that this is in the game. I didn't really have this problem with Yakuza 0. Uh, there was a tiny bit of grind, but not like this. And the fact that they've just like, oh, this is the area where you probably need to grind. We're giving you a battle arena to do that. I'm just like, just don't make the grind. Like, if you see that this is the problem, then just don't make that the problem. Like, I really, really just fucking hate this about JRPGs. Like, I really do. And it's the one thing that is, this game is so perfect to me that this has just frustrated me beyond belief. Um, Like, respect the player's time. And the problem is, like, if you, it has an auto battle mode, right? But when I play it, I can win fights very easily. If I put in auto battle mode, I fucking die constantly because even with a healing character, they're not healing. And it doesn't matter if I change it to aggressive, balanced or defensive, they just fail like after three or four battles. So like, I can't even just hit the auto and let it play for like half an hour or something. Um, Just really frustrating me. And I just don't understand this fucking conceit because like, we're here to play games. And if a big portion of your game is me just having to do this thing, constantly fighting the same enemies over and over again to hit an arbitrary level cap to progress, that doesn't feel good to me. That just really, really doesn't feel good to me. And I understand that for some people that is what they love about games. And I just cannot wrap my head around that. I'm trying and I can't do it. 
even in a game that I absolutely love that I'm putting up there as one of my favorites. I can't do it. But anyway, I'm pushing through that because I want to see this game through. Mm. Um, that's me. Blue. Go. Okay, <laughs> very quickly. Um, played all the usual garbage. I think I don't have good recollection of what the past week has been. Um, so like Battlegrounds and, and some Rune Terra and stuff like that here and there. Uh, because the two big things that have occupied my time in the past week are, firstly, uh, play uh, Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis dropped. And um, I have sub-20 hours in that, I think, right now, which is not a lot. But, you know, I like because I have sub-20 hours in that, it has taken up basically most of my free time. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really enjoyable. It's just... Enjoyable but broken, or at least it was for me. Oh, uh, it is not for me. I uh, have no issues with mm. it whatsoever. Super laggy. Mesmer and I tried to play it on the weekend. It was just like constant lag. Also, some people on the server were wanting to hold my ankles and kiss me hard. And I was like, oh, this is definitely one of those games, huh? <laughs> but uh, it was fun to play. mistake is interacting with anyone, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I, I avoid people. I look at the cosplays and I go, oh, that's really cute. And then I move on. Um, I mm. actually want to point out that while yeah there are moments of like horrible lag um the game is really for an mmo it handles lag really really gracefully um Mm -hmm. i played in lag so bad that um, everything pauses for like three seconds and then updates at once like over and over again Mm -hmm. and it's like that's still playable it's not ideal but it's very very playable and there's a certain amount where it starts to not become playable um for example uh play with snark and he had like just pure disconnect problems where it kicks him back to main menu every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, even in my worst lag, didn't have that. So I think it's about where servers are, where you are to the servers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, gotcha. I don't know. I'm very, very impressed by this showing right now. Uh, I think I've hit the end of the uh, main content in New Genesis because it, it yep. gave me a to-be-continued and I'm assuming that's content update will come out soon kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah um for uh, it's a 10 year old game at the end of the day it's still a 10 year old game it has a very very shiny new coat on it and the shiny new coat is really good i think that the thing that makes it stand out is its uh mobility the the combat and mobility yeah, is sure. really really good in this game um yeah, i agree and then the second game that i've played is guilty gear strive um oh man what can I say about this game other than um, please respect your netcode? Uh, <laughs> because this is such a... I'm so beyond pleased and blown away by the quality of the Guilty Gear Strive rollback netcode. I played yesterday for two hours with my friend in Tasmania, and it felt like I was sitting on a couch next to him. That's awesome. For a fighting game. That's absurd. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Um, we had 200 millisecond delay between us. That's Five wild. rollback frames. Felt fine. Yeah. Like a couple of times it was like, oh, you died on my screen, then it rolled back. But it's like it rolls back within five second, uh, five frames. So mm-hmm. five sixtieth of a second. Just insane. Game's good. Like I like it enough to play it, especially because the, the netcode is so good. This is going to be a game that will last a long time on netcode alone. Like, if, if nothing else. Because that's how bad netcode is in fighting games. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, uh, I like it enough to play it for the netcode, and because it's good, uh, I, there's a lot of other games I would rather be playing. But I'm learning. This is my first. This is my second time trying to learn Guilty Gear, and I've gotten already further with this one in you know like five to seven hours than I did with um, XR. So, yeah, good stuff. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check this one out. Anyway, sorry for the rush at the end here, folks, but we have a work meeting to get to. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We'll probably go into uh, Returnal and uh, Guilty Gear a little further next week, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you uh, come and join our Discord. Um, we we want to start conversations over there a little bit more. Also, if you haven't and you have a dollar or more, come and join us over at Patreon. You get early access to the podcast plus some other extra goodies. Uh, we are trying to raise some money. We just had to pay our podcasting host, which was $180. Um, so yeah, try and raise some money to get that back. Plus we have a few uh, features that we want to get done. Um, videos coming up. We have Oli Oli World Preview just went up by the time you're listening to this. Please go and give that a watch. We have an interview with Roll7 next week also mm-hmm. arriving. So that's going to be super exciting. Uh, we just had an interview with Zelavine Nelson Jr. Uh, quality got quite a good response. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was my first interview in a long time. It goes for an hour, but I promise that we talk about some really interesting good things, at least Mm. in my opinion, um, about games and sustainable development and those sorts of things. So So go check that out. Um, I will be slowing down reviews. I've got a couple of reviews already in the works, but after that, I'll be slowing down reviews because I want to try my hand at doing a couple of longer form pieces. Um, I am very interested in getting feedback from you on this. So if you are listening, a few people have talked to me on Patreon, but what do you want to see? Do you want to see more streams and less reviews? Do you want to see more reviews and no streams? Do you want to see more longer form content and only like one or two reviews? Let me know, like what's the balance here? Because I'm interested in doing longer form content and reviews, but I want to know what everyone else here wants. Um, Because if you guys aren't interested in longer form content, then I'm going to make the one or two pieces that I want to make. And then I probably won't bother with it because it's a lot of effort. And if no one wants to watch it, then, you know, I'm not going to make that stuff. Um, But yeah, just get feedback from that. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Blue, is there anything you would like to add at the end? I hope life improves for you, buddy. I know it's hard. Oh, so my well wishes go to you specifically today, this week. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But one thing that I do, I forgot, is that there was a brand new platforms and pitfalls that just went live a couple of days oh, yeah. ago. Pixelsofbreakfast.net. It's uh, Speed and Tension, where they take a look at Sonic, Bayonetta, Tekken 7, Super Hot, and Bangayo. Bangayo. Yes. Bangayo. Uh, so go check that out. There's this uh, two really great hosts, uh, Rowan, who's part of Games, 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 which will be returning next week. And also this lovely person blue anyway hey. thank you so much that's the timer going off they're about to do the coronavirus announcement across my town as always don't forget to pixelate your breakfast Bye.